Welcome to the UK Educators Community Podcast, hosted by Sid, an award-winning science communicator, serial entrepreneur, and educational consultant. Today, we're going to be interviewing Georgina Green from Green Tutoring, and we're going to be discussing the topic of how to juggle different plates. Welcome guys, welcome to episode two of the UK Educators Community Podcast. Um, We have got the amazing Georgina Green um, with us today. She is a member of the Facebook group and um, she does a a range of different things online and offline as well. And today uh, we're going to be focusing on juggling plates. So she, I found out, is working full time, (laughs) also running a business it's really unusual for someone to straight go straight into business without having to work right we unless you're really rich and you've got lots of savings <laughs> lined up but at some point we're going to have to work to kind of support the the fact that we need to start a business and get it to a point where it can then support us so we're going to be talking about that but first of all Georgina do you want to give us a little bit of intro because this is the first time I'm speaking to you as well so <laughs> it'll be good to kind of get an idea a bit more about you um what you do and um what brings you to the UK educators community so my name's Georgina um I have been working as a personal tutor now since 2012 um covering maths and science and the reason I picked those subjects is because I'm also working as a scientist so pretty much since I graduated university in 2005 I've been working in various science roles but um for the last 13 years that's been um with a pharmaceutical company in their uh, research labs so I'm a big fan of science, scientific research and scientific education. Um, and they actually, through their company, I got to do loads of workshops and careers events in, in schools and see just how inspiring it can be to have that science background to students that think of scientists like um, Mendeleev and Einstein and don't mm. give them as real people. <laughs> what was your degree in? I did a degree in forensic science. Um, oh, wow. I used to love watching all of those um diagnosis murder and various different things with my dad and figured I was going to be one of those guys but then forensic science really just covers quite a wide array of analytical techniques and um, statistics and things like that so it really set me up for quite a lot of different research jobs going forward. Do you think you'll always be in research or have you kind of considered working uh, for the police and actually working as a a forensic scientist at, at the forefront of like investigations? Um, that, so that was initially what I wanted to do but um, when it as it came to graduation and we were looking at the people that our lecturers were, had all had forensic careers so they were kind of advising us on what the most likely path would be and I think most of their graduates who went into forensic roles ended up working um, with like traffic police looking at car accidents and things like that and all of the options just seemed so morbid that I figured I'd end up seriously depressed if that was my daily life. <laughs> much much more cheerful working in a research lab with plastic (laughs) what kind of stuff do you do in the research lab then my lab is the the sample management area for um screening so the various different drugs screened right at the discovery end of pharmaceutical research they have millions of um, compound screens that they can use um in those different assays as they develop them um mm. so it's like quality analysis and things to supply all of the screens to me it sounds really boring that does i, I think the, the, the morbid <laughs> bits probably is more interesting yeah. <laughs> I think why i can go into research i'm like i can't i 
can't do it. I, four years of doing physics, but I did theoretical. So okay. it was all theory-based. It was no yeah. practical work, except for the first year. For it to be um, a science degree, we had to do, I think it was 20 hours of lab work for them to give us a, a science qualification at the end. Okay. Um, so we had all of these theor- theoretical physicists sat there going, we opted not to do lab work. Like, what are we doing here? Like, what is this? Like, how do we switch this on? It was, it was quite an experience. But other than that, I've touched like no lab research stuff. Like most science, science degrees involve an aspect of research in the lab, don't they? And I think um, I missed out on that uh, completely. <laughs> I mean, everyone takes a different path through it. So you've done what you found interesting. So you don't have to be working in a lab. So what kind of brought you into education and kind of tutoring and and that kind of side of stuff? How long have you been going? I always wanted to be a teacher when I was younger, um, but I was really quite uh, quite introverted and shy and I had a lot of anxiety as I was a teenager. So when I went to secondary school myself, I found it really intimidating. Um, Teenagers can be quite boisterous and quite... um, disruptive and I really couldn't see myself at the time that I left school being in charge of 30 of them so it didn't seem like a good idea to me but I still wanted to 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 do that this is why when I um, found out that my company would offer the opportunity to go and do um, careers talks and deliver science workshops in classrooms I I was (laughs) definitely up for that um, and realized that I'd grown a lot since leaving school and was a lot more confident and a lot more able to um, have those interactions and not be like children aren't terrifying <laughs> we probably had a, a similar sort of uh like teenage life because I, I was the same when I was a young I think when I was seven I remember going up to my year three teacher and I remember I remember I remember this happening like she was uh, sat at her desk and her name was Mrs Wood and I went up to her and I was like miss I want to be a teacher when I grow up and she goes oh. are you sure and I was like, you're a teacher. Why are you trying, trying to stop me? From-? She goes, it's a lot of work. Like, don't limit yourself. Are you sure? You <laughs> feel like she'd made the wrong choice. <laughs> <laughs> but she was a deputy head at that point. And then she went on to become a head teacher. Um, but she was quite uh, older. She wasn't a young teacher. So she'd been through it. And obviously she was trying to kind of uh, give me a heads up that maybe it's a lot more work than it kind of looks. But yeah. then I got put off from teaching when I went to secondary, but like you um and I I accidentally fell into it um (laughs) where I'd sent my CV for like a summer revision course um and they got back to me and they offered me a (laughs) full-time I wasn't even qualified to teach it was a private college um and I took it up I went in for the interview and at the end of the interview we shook hands and uh that was it I was a teacher (laughs) I kind of fell, I fell into it. And I think that was probably the best way to do it. Because had I thought about it, I would have been like. I think that's how a lot of careers happen. Things kind of appear. Oh, okay. Yeah. Why not? (laughs) I went to a girls school and they would literally tear, especially female teachers, they would tear them apart. Oh, wow. Um, And they were so cruel. It was, uh, it was horrible. (laughs) I'm not even sure now that I would like that. The, everything that comes with working in a school but mm. you have to have a certain amount of confidence and um, assertiveness <laughs> I think coming in as an outsider you probably get a lot more respect because exactly. they're really fascinated by what you're doing and your background uh, so how long have you been tutoring I've been doing one-to-one tutoring since 2012 um, and then over the last few years um, because I realized that I can't say no and as you 
build more of a reputation. You start to get more recommendations and I, I wasn't doing anything but working. So I, I started um, building a team of tutors um, who are all like scientists and engineers and the same sort of background as me for the same purposes. Um, I think it's important to be able to show children the different varieties of STEM careers that you can have. So that's um, where all the team has come from. Um, so they're all doing one-to-one tuition. And then just the last couple of years, I've looked at um, things that I can do around supporting groups of students with like building their study skills and the things that go alongside, because I, I realised that when, when children have a tutor, they sometimes um, develop the attitude that that's fixed their problem and don't realise how much they still have to do independently. <laughs> that's filling in all of those gaps for them. You've been working full time whilst you've been setting this team up and kind of setting your business up. What are like the pain points of juggling work and work? It gets really frustrating because it does take a lot of organising and a lot of energy. And I'll have ideas all the time. I think it sounded similar to, to things that you said previously, but you just be lying in bed and you're suddenly like, I could do this. I could do that. And it's like, yeah, but when? <laughs> That's not going to happen. Stop it. <laughs> you have to be super organized. And I've had, um, I have like admin support. So I've made sure to like document all of the processes that are needed to run my business and put everything into a schedule so that I'm not thinking about, you know, when you kind of have your head full of the things that you need to do. If you give them each a time, then you're only thinking about one of them at a time. Yeah. So it's really like switching between right. This is now I'm in my day job and my business doesn't exist. And now I'm in my business. My day job doesn't exist. <laughs> now I'm not doing anything. Nothing exists. <laughs> that one's hard. <laughs> What's your method? So if someone's listening to this and they're struggling to kind of cope with a day job mm-hmm. and doing that, you've talked about d- delegating um, mm-hmm. and having an admin team. But how are you kind of getting everything out of your head? Well, I found myself becoming a bit of a to-do list addict and yet there's no benefit in making the lists. There's a benefit in making a system. So (laughs) I could have lists all day, but none of it's going to get done. Um, I found the most effective thing for me is having um, a routine in my day. So there's time for everything in the day. Um, So like, for example, the first things I would do when I wake up in the morning are around like my health and well-being. So making sure to have a big glass of water and a healthy breakfast and um, things like that. And then it'll be the admin task, like clearing my inbox before I start the day and making my to-do list for that day from the massive to-do lists that I have elsewhere. Um, Making sure that I've reminded people what appointments they have that day so that I don't spend time trying to get people online later, things like that that I've built into my day as I've learned the things that catch me out help to make the days run a lot smoother and everything has its own time in the day so that I'm only thinking about what I have to be thinking about at that point. So you've talked about doing the to-do list in the morning has that come by naturally or have you tried doing it the night before or have you tried doing it at the beginning of the week like what what's been your how have you got to that point because everything happens slowly right and people kind of go oh how have you got and then you sometimes need to unpack the path that you took to get to that point so what how did you get to that point? Um, so I realized again that was my from my optimistic brain so I used to do the planning every Sunday so I'd make my schedule for the week ahead every Sunday and I was not very nice to future me so I'd put I'd fill up the day like well I've got that many hours I can do that many things and then I'd wake up in the morning and look at it and go oh I can't do that today 
day. I'm too tired. And I did none of it. Whereas if I do it in the morning, depending on how I'm feeling and the surprises that I've had in my inbox that day that have already filled up some of the space, um, it's a bit more realistic of what I can actually achieve in the day. That's a really good way of looking at it, I think. I'm, I'm like that. I wake up in the morning, I'm like, what do I feel like doing? I don't feel like doing anything today. I'm going, I'm cancelling. <laughs> I'm cancelling everything. Um, and having that ability to do that, I think, is really nice. But you, you're still tied into a nine to five, though. Yeah. So do you find that you're constantly tired as a result of essentially running two two business, well, two, two workplaces um, simultaneously? Or do you find that it's a nice fit because one happens after? I'm assuming your, your tutoring stuff is in the evenings and weekends. Um, so it's slightly separate from your day job. You're not getting uh, messages coming in during the day. Or if you are, you can leave them until later. Do you ever have time to switch off? I spent a long time not doing that. Um probably for about five years as I was like building my tuition right and I was getting to the point of not saying no to any customers it was nine to five in my business every evening I would have like three lessons after work and then all through Saturday and all through Sunday and like there'd be a panic point on Sunday evening where I was doing all of the admin for like invoicing and scheduling for the next week it built up to that point but when I got to that point I thought this is this is no way to live a life and maybe this maybe it's successful and it's nice to have all this money but what am I going to do with it (laughs) pay for my funeral (laughs) I don't need this so yeah I then realized I do have to put time into my calendar for doing nothing so I have what I call potato days literally scheduled into the calendar potato days yeah, I'm just going to be a couch potato and there's absolutely no plans and the phone doesn't get turned on. I'm doing nothing. And I feel so much better at the end of it. Oh, we should start a vegetable month, right? Like we have different vegetables for the different months. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of building up a team, I was building a team with my previous business, but I think this one is the first time where I've actually really built a team where I'm giving them the complete ownership of their uh, their their space um in the previous one I was still a bit of a control freak right <laughs> so it wasn't really really building a team it was just trying to replicate what I'm doing um and uh, how have you found delegating stuff to other people um have you found that really difficult um was that a big big challenge because I think that's another pain point for a lot of people where they want to do everything themselves because they don't believe someone else can do it as well as them it's really hard it is really hard especially when I first started because I was at the point when my calendar was overfull, mm. um, and I was looking at transferring some of my students to other tutors and it was horrible because I get really attached to my students it was like handing over my children <laughs> they didn't yeah. like it and I would give the tutor like unnecessary amounts of notes about them like this is their favorite football team and they like this and they do these clubs on this they don't need all this stuff <laughs> and they'll find out what they need to themselves but I was like like I wanted to give them a full care guide for the student that, that they didn't need um but it get it got easier when I would start getting back like lovely testimonials from parents about new tutors that they'd met and then realizing that actually when I started I was on my own I didn't have people telling me all about the kids before I turned up and if the tutors need anything if they have anything that they don't understand then they reach out and ask for it um, and they prefer that I wasn't on their case giving them unnecessary notes all the time. So how big a team have you built at the moment? Uh, there's 12 of them now. Wow that's a big team. They're all lovely it's a lot of fun. 
So do you find that now your role has turned into more into people managing rather than actual actually doing the tutoring? They don't necessarily need an awful lot of managing, really. It's just the scheduling and admin. Mm. But you can even, I mean, there's loads of apps that will do most of that stuff for you. It's given me more space, I think, for the ideas that I have. <laughs> That's good. Then the next question that kind of flows nicely from that is how do you find good people to build your team? This was, um, I think it was a question, was it Samantha that was asking in the group a couple of days ago? Um what would you recommend to people? How do you find a good team? Where would you look for them? I assume that you started looking from your workplace because you wanted people that had industry experience. Yeah. Um, how do you kind of filter out uh, the not so good from the great? So this is something I've tried to kind of capture over time, but it's difficult to define how it works. You get quite a good feeling about people when you speak to them um, about what their motivation is. Um, and I discovered that um, through experience, that there'd be a lot of people that would apply um, for a tutor role um, just to, as something to do over the summer, which isn't really what I was looking for because it, it, I would like them to be able to commit to the student until they do their exams because you get quite a relationship with the student. And then when you cut that off, it can be disruptive. Mm. Um, so you can get an idea of whether someone is committed to working with you long time based on what their plans are. So the, the team that I have now were maybe people that were doing a long-term PhD or who would um, who were already working or um, some have families. They have no plans to change their career path anytime soon. They actually have an interest in intuition for more than supplementing their salary. Um, so it gives you the idea that it's something they wanted to do longer term. Some of them, if they've already had tuition experience and they know exactly what to expect, um, so you can kind of get an idea from when you speak to them, whether they're actually committed to sticking with you long term and they actually are interested in the difference that they make to children's lives and not just cashing in. <laughs> I haven't asked you, are you face to face or purely online? Pre this year, it was majority face to face and all of our clients were really in the local area. Um, we had a couple that were online. Um, this year, obviously, everything is online and I'm I'm deliriously happy because I've been trying to get people to go online <laughs> for years and everybody's always thinking that they're going to lose something from that and it doesn't work um, and now that they've not had a choice and they've seen how it works it's brilliant there's a lot of advantages to it so I'm hoping that they'll stay that way. <laughs> I think I'm the same um, January this year I was trying to figure out how do I get people to to like move to online it gives me a bigger reach I'm not just limited to the local area but making that leap was scary because I'd been face to face for such a long time. And I think, yeah, it's been a blessing in disguise as well that everyone's had to have a go. Um, and then they kind of realized, oh, it works. And the kids have been quite happy because um, I've done art. I used to do art workshops face to face. And at first I was like, how do I, how on earth do I do that online? Um, and I actually realized because when I did it face to face, I used to get the kids to kind of go around the table that I was painting and then they'd kind of try and awkwardly look at what I'm doing and they'd all be looking at different angles um and they also couldn't replicate what I was doing because they were away from their desks okay. um, what I find is when I'm doing it online they can they're sat at their desk they can copy me as we're doing stuff and yeah. that step-by-step -step process becomes so much easier and um and the kids and I, I asked the kids the feedback after the first course we did online and they're like we prefer it online there's no sitting around in the car there's no traveling we can just go and have a drink from our home we can just put our legs up and enjoy it and like they prefer it 
Um, and and I was really surprised. These were young kids talking about it. So I think it has been um, an eye opener for a lot of people. So what would be your top tips for someone that's looking to go online? Because I know you've got an amazing Facebook group which focuses on um, supporting people uh, to 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 work online. And um, what's it called again? It's tackling tutoring online. So do you want to tell us a bit about that and what what the whole purpose of that group is? That one's one that's evolved over time. So I created it in March. Um, because I have a few uh, teacher friends and uh, I was feeling really bad for them when all of the schools closed and in the space of a week they were having to shift everything that they did to online and mm. um, my understanding of working schools is everything is everything is done on paper um, mm. there's a lot of technology but from what I gather from students for the most part teachers don't really use it and if they do they don't use it all of it they'll use a bit of it so it was a bit of a steep learning curve with not an awful lot of support so I just because I've been working online for a long time and then working in a a corporate environment web calls and cloud drives are just everyday business so I set up some tutorials and things for school teachers to help them to get the grips with those sorts of systems and give them some ideas that they could use um, and realised that loads of tutors wanted to get involved. And I'm, I'm sitting there, with naive me, thinking, why do tutors want to know about this? <laughs> Isn't this what they always do? No. Nope. <laughs> um, realised that it was there's loads of tutors or loads of um, people that were trying to build their tuition business that hadn't seen all these things before and wanted that extra support. And, and then it reminded me from 2012 when I was starting how much of a learning curve there is to actually make your business a success. And I just opened it up to everybody and started adding in things that were a bit more um, personal tutor focused. I think at this point, it's probably not that interesting to school teachers. It's pretty much all (laughs) one-to-one tutor focused. (laughs) Did you find that it's changed a lot from 2012? Because I'm assuming you weren't online initially when you started. No, it was um, in person then. And then, at what point did you try? Did you start to transition to some online stuff? Um, I think what prompted me first was um, so I had a student that I've been teaching since she was seven, mm. um, and she'd started with like maths anxiety, um, and then like developed a lot um, over the, the course of the lessons that I had with her uh, to her GCSEs. But she was moving away and I wouldn't be able to do the lessons in person. And I was thinking, well, we'll just do them online. That will work. Let's see how that would work. Because having had the lessons with her for such a long time and her, she'd have had a lot of issues with anxiety, which I understood only too well, I didn't want her to then either lose her support or have to start again with somebody else. So it kind of made me do it. Much the same as everybody this year. You do it when you don't really have a choice and then realise that it's not that bad. <laughs> I remember a couple of years ago, I was tutoring a kid um, and then the cousin wanted me to tutor their daughter, but they lived in London mm. and they would drive in every weekend, stay yeah. at their relative's house and oh. get me to tutor them for an hour and a half. And we talked about doing it online, but I'd never done it online at that point. And I was like, I don't, it was maths. I was like, I don't know how it's going to work. I was like, we could try online. But they, it was dedication because for about 10, 12 weeks, so a couple of months leading up to their exams, um, they were driving up every single weekend mm. um, for a 90-minute session. 
or sometimes it'd be a bit longer because they're like, yeah, we're here. So could we have something a bit longer? I'm thinking back now, if online was an option, it would have saved them a lot of petrol. (laughs) It would have saved a lot of kind of faffing around and trying to fit things in um, because they had to fit it in around their schedule. And and, and when they were delayed and getting to to where I am, it was was taking them ages to get here sometimes. It, It kind of opens up the ability to work with lots of different people but at that point I didn't give it a shot because I had no no clue how to do it and I think there are some tutors still that haven't ventured to online yet even though we're like a year into nearly a year into having COVID Um, and it's a big leap from going to from face to face to online I recommend things like bit paper is there anything that you've kind of come across that you kind of go oh this is amazing use this um because I've, I've got a second camera now so I don't use bit paper I just use pen to paper I love my paper <laughs> um but is there um anything that you kind of would recommend or anything that you talk about in your Facebook group that is a big go-to for new people that are looking to move online all of my experience came from where I was working in um, in the office so none of it was geared towards tuition it was just geared towards collaboration so I tend to use office documents or just open um from all the time I've spent tutoring face to face I've built like this bank of worksheets and exam papers and things that are mostly pdfs or word documents Mm. so I just open and write directly into those Um, and then when we're finished I save all of the stuff that we've done that day into a google drive and then there's a separate folder for each student and that folder is shared with the student and their parent so they can find everything that they've previously done. And I've always found that that worked really well. Bit paper is really good. I've looked at that just this year, actually, and um, mm. I play around with it. And it is really useful. And it does the same thing because it keeps all of your work there. Um, but it's, it's, it means learning a new platform. And I'm a big fan of keeping things simple. So since I already know how to use office documents <laughs> and I use the same ones for my face-to-face lessons I've just carried on <laughs> yeah I think it's interesting how people use uh, the kind of insight and experience of what they already know yeah and that kind of still intertwines into everything that they do even if they're making a change so even if you're moving online you're still going to be intertwined with what you already know um, mm-hmm. and you're never going to find two people that are going to be doing the same thing because we all tutor differently and we all do things differently which is what the beauty of it is yeah I I did a lot of bit paper and I found that I was constantly looking at the screen and really focused on the screen and it was giving me headaches I was getting migraines Mm -hmm. and since I've started moving away from that and using a second camera over my desk and writing on paper which seems really kind of going backwards and old-fashioned but it works because I can use my file tips up here like I can be really colorful um, and what it meant for me was I wasn't getting those migraines anymore. So I think it's just finding what works for you and then sticking with it rather than getting excited about every new app or every new software that <laughs> comes along and then learning it from scratch and then kind of going, mm, it's not working for me. <laughs> so yeah. it's finding that one thing and then just sticking with it. And I think you've made it very simple, but it's effective. So it's working. It's interesting to see how different teachers adapt differently yeah. to online and um, I'm always fascinated to find out how everyone else is doing things because it's always slightly different. I mean, like, oh, that's that's a good idea. Let's see if uh, I can kind of tweak it into my style and see how it works. So going back to the, the kind of main topic of today, which is having a look at how to juggle uh, when you're when you've got all these different hats on. So you've talked about organisation getting organized, making sure that things are done in advance. So you do it on the morning, um, planning out your day. Do you also kind of block out time for you to not do work? 
So, or do you just focus on the work time? I am um, quite introvert, quite happy spending ages on my own. Although I realised this year that there is a limit to that. After about a month, I was like, there must be some other people in the world. But yeah, I'm quite happy for a long time to be by myself. And I have to, <laughs> Grinch as it sounds, I have to put reminders in my calendar to actually like reach out and speak to people because they think that <laughs> I've forgotten about them. So I'll do things like that. But I also, I'm a big fan of an app uh, called the Fabulous app, which is all about helping you to build like routines into your day that help you help your uh, health and well-being um things like meditation and exercise time and uh, drinking a glass of water when you wake up and things like that I've built those the r- routines that will help me so that includes like the time that I'm going to spend clearing my inbox before breakfast and things like that um and I've put time at the start and end of my day that is just those things um and then actually put them into my online calendar <laughs> because I'll forget and I'll just allow people to book lessons and I'll just keep shoving things into the day and then forget that this day includes an early morning and a late evening <laughs> if I put them in my calendar and the hours that I'm asleep I'm having to move them out of the way for the appointments and unnecessary as it is to have a calendar appointment for going to bed it reminds me that there is only so much time in the day and not to go mad <laughs> What you just talked about is really interesting because when I did radio, I interviewed a guy. His main kind of, uh, he he runs a business and the main thing that he offers uh, companies is the ability to kind of create more time in their schedule. And he does that by looking at what is the most important thing that you want to get done in a month, right? You block out, and it's literally just what you've talked about, blocking out time. And he's like, okay. Right. So once a month, you're going to be doing um, you're going to be paying your bills. Right. Let's block out. How long is that going to take in your diary? Put that in. And he kind of went through all of the things that you would typically do, including chores and shopping and everything um, and blocking out all that time. And then actually going, right. okay. so how much work time do we actually have? And when I looked at my schedule, I was like, I'm trying to do too much. There literally isn't enough time in the day. Like what? And I feel like I haven't achieved anything, but actually you're doing way more than you can possibly achieve in a week. Um, And it was really interesting going through that exercise and then taking a step back and going, I'm being too hard on myself. Like there's only so much I can do and I'm doing that already. So either something has to give or I just don't do everything that I want to do. And I think you've already kind of established that into your routine. I tried creating a, a really blocked out calendar, but whenever I looked at it, I felt really overwhelmed. I was like, oh, exactly, yeah. It's all full. So I've, I've kind of reduced it now to just like work time, but I've kind of gone, weekends are not for work, though okay. I still kind of do <laughs> Like not any, anything official. Um, yeah. I, ha- I have put an hour in on Saturday morning now, but um, <laughs> other than that, I've had free weekends for the last couple of weeks. Um, and then also... I try and not work in the evenings, but then I pack out the day. Mm. Like literally, I, the, I'm, I'm so happy that you've got like a time and routine where you do a breakfast thing because I don't. I'll do my first <laughs> session and I'll be like, I haven't eaten yet. Or I'll do like a block of three hours and I'm like, oh, I haven't eaten yet. Um, and that's really bad. But um, building that routine, I think is really important. I think I'm not a morning person. So I literally get up. And then I'm on screen because I can be now. I don't have to get up like two hours before to get ready, right? So it works for me. How many times have I had breakfast before my first thing in the morning? Probably none in the last two months. 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> because I just go with it. I'm like, the alarm will go off in, yeah. in plenty of time. And I'm like, oh, it's mm. got an hour. And then when it, because it's a Zoom call, I literally need like two minutes, right? Yeah. To get out of bed and then just sit down here, still in my pajama bottoms. But as long as I look presentable from the top, it's fine, right? I was always late before in the morning, but now it's like I'm late on the Zoom call because I'm getting out of bed. <laughs> You've said you're not a morning person either. So how have you managed to get that routine in place? One thing at a time. So this is why I really like the Fabulous app, because it does build those things one thing at a time. It builds its own version of a good morning routine and introduces some things that I wouldn't have thought of that I've actually found beneficial. And then some things that I just didn't think were helping me and I've took, taken them out. Um, but by introducing those things bit at a time, I've got to the point where I've got like um, an hour and a half routine in the morning I can do every day that I don't have to think about because it's habitual. So my brain doesn't actually have to be awake to go through all of that stuff. The stuff that needs my brain, like replying to emails, <laughs> is towards the end of the schedule. Um, but I can do that without thinking. And by the time I've got to the end of that routine, my whole day is planned and my admin is caught up on and I'm dressed and ready to go to work. You won't get from the point that people, which is what I kept doing, or I'd realised that I was disorganised and make myself a massive schedule. These are all the things that I'm going to do every morning and I don't do them because it's too much. But if I just said, well, tomorrow morning when I wake up, I'm going to drink a pint of water first thing because I'm going to feel really groggy. That's easy. And then the next day, I'm like, well, I'm going to drink a pint of water and then I'm going to make sure I have breakfast. And that's okay. And then, and then I'm going to do this and it's built up over time. If I put too much on my plate, it doesn't happen. <laughs> Maybe I need to start off with the drinking the water in the morning before I start teaching. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that might kind of help wake me up. Um, do you think you're ever going to get to a point where you want to give up your day job and completely work on your business? Yeah, I all the time. I've been in that, that job um, for 13 years and then tutoring wow. for eight years so most of the time that I've been there I've been doing both and it's become habitual when it comes to like April exam season and it's also end of the first quarter in my day job and the um like doling out projects and things for the year and I just sit there and think I'm gonna pack in one of those <laughs> I'm gonna quit my business or I'm gonna leave my job and when I have those little arguments in my head I really can't see me quitting my business because I love it and I think over time my attention has gone from I really love my job in my lab to I really love my business and this is getting in the way <laughs> what do you think is going to cause that tip well this year I think has sent me quite a, a long way down that that balance I am really grateful for my job so as a result of working for that company I had the opportunity to go work in the um, COVID diagnostic testing labs this year. So that's where I spent six months of the year. I wasn't even in my normal lab. And that was a fantastic experience. I don't think ever in my scientific career have I had the opportunity to so directly impact people's lives and like, have my job talked about in the news um, and have people actually interested in what I do for a change. Mm. It was amazing. Um, I wouldn't have had that experience otherwise but at the same time I was um, starting this Facebook group and supporting teachers through a really stressful year and seeing others growing their tuition business and being able to um, help students who were really stressed out over what was going to happen with their exams and their grades and yeah whilst it was really nice to be able to have this fantastic experience in the um, COVID lab this year 
it's much nicer to have those experiences and be completely in control of how I'm delivering it and what's happening and what hours I'm working. But I think I am much more mentally designed for self-employment than nine to five. I think with the COVID uh, lab work, it's very isolated. You're not actually, you're making a difference, but you don't get to see the di- the end difference where when you're working with a child you see that difference you see the progress in that child in that student and it's that rewarding kind of oh I've seen you come a long way and it's a direct impact um, so you're still making differences on both ends but I think it's uh, the type of person you are and who, what kind of what kind of motivates you more and I think you're, you're clearly even though you call yourself an introvert you're clearly a people's person <laughs> um, <laughs> It's weird, isn't it? Like, I, I would say I'm an introvert as well. Like, I've loved lockdown. Like, just not being able, like, not having to go out. It's just brilliant. Um, but <laughs> at the same time, like, give me a stage and I love it. I will go on there and I'll deliver and give me a science show and I'll I'll, I'll, I'll deliver. It's like a different persona. But Absolutely. I'm equally just sat in front of uh, my laptop on Amazon Prime. Give me... <laughs> a whole week of that and I'll love that as well so you can have those different parts of your personality it's great to hear you say that actually because I've been saying that for 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 years to um other people um where I would in, in my day job I would deliver a seminar to 200 chemists but if you asked me to go to one of the networking events and speak to them individually I would be sick um, yeah. and they're like well why is that weird like no I'd much much rather stand up on that stage with a microphone and talk about anything you'd like me to than go and get my hair cut and the hairdressers and things like that I think it's traits of an introvert because you put on when you're on a stage you're putting on a persona right yeah. you you kind of um, hype yourself up to to do it. And yes, you're nervous and the rest of it, but it's very different when you're networking. If you put me in a networking group, um, I will be the person in the corner looking awkward and waiting for someone to approach me because I don't want to approach them in case they reject me and don't want to talk to me, right? Like, I hate the one-to-one. I hate it. Um, And even if I'm going, um, I'm not really a social person. So like, and restaurants and cinemas and all these things shut down I was like makes no difference to me I go to the restaurant <laughs> once a month only just to show my face around and some colleagues or like it's not something that I would want to do on a regular basis because I prefer that one-to-one interaction with someone yeah. um if someone wants to meet up I'm like yeah we'll just meet up and we can just have a chat we don't need to go to the sim- we don't need to go for a coffee we just have a chat like I that's why I want to meet you we don't need to do something um in that time so sometime last year it was because I worked in radio for a couple of years um but it was a community radio station and I want I went for audition for a BBC uh radio job and they had a proper x-factor style audition so they said, just just turn up. But when you turn up, you have to fill in a form and then they give you a number and they call you back at a specific time. Um, and then you're having to queue up. And they give you like a number to wear. Um, and then when you go in, there's an audience. There were four judges and there were like cameras on you, right? So the first part of the audition was to actually get through that first, you had a minute to, to talk about something. Me being me, I talked about poo and I talked about how space smells like and all of these like weird stuff, right? And I don't think they were expecting that. Um, and I, my opening line was... Oh, they remembered it. <laughs> exactly. My opening line was, how many of you can say that you sit at your desk and make poo? <laughs> and they were just like, the laughter was cracking up everywhere. And they were just like, what? What is she on? <laughs> and 
then I talked about how I make poo slime and how um, if poo is long and smelly, that means you've been eating healthily. If it's a small pellets, then you're on an unhealthy diet. Um, and I talked about all this stuff. And, and the first judge, uh, he goes, um, I like you because you helped me learn something about myself. Oh, and I got all hyped up. And I was like, oh, that you got healthy poo. And he goes, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, that, I, I nailed that audition, right? Because oh. it was me in the limelight, on a camera, with a microphone, even though I, I was so nervous, it worked fine. The mm. second part of the audition was, they called me back up after a month or so, and it was a group environment. Oh. And, <laughs> and I do not work well, because people are like competing, and I feel like, I'll just let them speak. Like, yeah. I don't want to be competing with them. I don't want to feel like I'm... I'm taking away their limelight. So I will let people speak. And then that means that they, I never got a chance. Well, I did get a chance to speak, but I didn't feel comfortable. And it was clear I wasn't comfortable in that environment. Um, so I didn't get through, but it was interesting to see how different people in different scenarios step up um, and how interview processes, uh, there has to be a reason for doing what you do because certain situations might not bring the best in people but they might be good for the role. So when you're kind of building a team and you're interviewing, it's very important that the, the tasks that you set are relevant for the end role. Otherwise, you're probably taking away people that are going to be great in, in doing what you need them to do. So just to recap, you've spoken about top tips to manage juggling lots of different things. You talked about being organized doing things in the morning, having a routine, um, making sure that you have systems in place and things are clear um, and, and basically looking after yourself, right? Because you said initially you started off trying to do too much. Um, and then where do you think you see yourself in the next couple of years? Like what point are you waiting? Because this is a scary bit, right? Making that leap from being employed and having that stability and that stable income and that stable job to being an entrepreneur and not and taking that risk and not knowing whether whether you're going to get paid there because like anything could happen right I think this year has shown us that anything's possible so what do you think that you need to do in 2021 or even in 2022 to get you to a point where you are like right I'm ready now I've been thinking about it for a few years and I would keep setting up plans like I would slowly go part-time until I wasn't going anymore or set up a savings target and when I hit that target I would leave and there keeps being something that scuppers that plan. I think I was one um, payday away from that sal that savings target um, on the 20th of March. <laughs> that would have got my, my target on the 20th of March but that was a few days too late. Um, I've learned this year uh, through everything that's happened and through speaking to various other people that actually I think if I just did it that would be when it worked <laughs> if I just jump in and believe in the fact that it will work then it will work so is that going to be in 2021 do you think yeah I'm gonna have to dive in <laughs> Ooh, this is gonna be so exciting you're gonna have to share your um your kind of anxieties and your kind of nerves at doing this like keep a keep a journal keep a uh, a, a video diary like do a live like do something to kind of share those challenges because I think people can feel so alone but when you're going through that process it's exactly the same I'd actually gone down to part-time yeah um and 2017 was when I left employment um 
and I was not making enough to justify leaving yeah. <laughs> but I did it anyway I was like if I don't do it now it's not gonna happen and I, I guess when you're teaching there's certain points in the year where you it's it, it, you've got that window and if you miss that window then it, it feels wrong to leave in the middle of the term so um it got to July I was like right that's it they offered me a full time I was like no <laughs> I don't want to go back to full time um but yeah so I think it's just taking that leap is scary because yeah. it's such a big change Laura's asking a question which is going back to what we were talking about earlier what's the best part of your morning routine so if you could take one thing, what would it be? What's the best part? Well, my favourite part is um, feeding the uh, pets, although it's currently just a guinea pig and a goldfish. For the most part, you know, when you have a bad day, you just don't want to get out of bed. That's the reason why I go downstairs. Because <laughs> if at the bare minimum, I want to go down and see those and feed them. I've already started. I might as well do the rest of the routine. <laughs> you say it's only just a guinea pig and a goldfish at the moment. Did you have more? Did you just kill a couple of pets? No, <laughs> I've had I've had um, a lot of pets. I've had um, five different rabbits, um, some gerbils, hamsters, basically lots of rodent type creatures. Your kind of pet kind of uh, keeping is the equivalent of my bird keeping. You're like the mammal side of it because I, I we've got loads of birds from like chickens to parrots to parallettes to conyers to kakarikis to canaries to finches. Um, Over the last 20 years, we've had probably 400 different species. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) I know a few things about birds. Yeah, awesome. (laughs) Do you know that rabbits have got a weird digestive system? Yeah that they have to uh, eat their poo. Yeah, it's not very pleasant. So that they digest it. I've always wanted to kind of get rid, like clear the poo up just to see what happens if they can't find it. Oh, they don't <laughs> give me much time. They pretty much eat it direct from source, which I'm grateful for because it stinks. So that, that's the best, that, that's the most, uh, your favourite part of the routine to feed your animals. Um, what do you think is the most kind of um, crucial part? What do you think makes that, big difference to you in the morning um really making my list for the day um because as you said previously sometimes it can feel like you've been working a lot and not achieved very much and I can often feel like that but if I've actually been writing it down as I've been doing it and ticking it off you've got you've got this visual that you can't argue with about exactly how productive you've been and it kind of helps me to feel like I can shut off at the end of the day because sometimes I would find myself and I'll just do one more thing and I'll just do one more thing and I'm like look I've done all of these things I think that's enough let's <laughs> just sit down. That's a brilliant tip for people um you've given some great kind of insight into how to juggle lots of different things and I think you've got an exciting 2021 coming up soon. <laughs> <laughs> um do you want to give us the name of your group one more time so people can find it? Yeah, it's uh, called Tackling Tutoring Online. Thank you for uh, taking this time um, on on this uh, interview with me, Georgina. I think it's been a great um, hour talking to you about everything that you do. Um, You've given some great insight. So people, if you want to find some top tips on how to um, effectively juggle lots of different things, I think Georgina's got it nailed. Thank you very much. It's been a lot of fun talking to you. It's nice to to virtually meet you thank you guys for listening in and we will catch up with you soon bye